when it comes to those long irons like these guys are going to be hitting, that's where it's going to make a difference. Hey everyone, welcome to Apex Golf IQ, the podcast that helps you become a better player with the club in and out of your hand. Today's episode will be all about the Masters in November. Really looking forward to this topic. It's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, you're going to have to have a little bit of a different golf IQ because the Masters usually is not played in November. Um, today I'm sitting here with Wyatt Larkin, Callahan Elzey, Quinn. Everybody yes, chi- sir. Everybody chime in. So, uh, to start it off, open open question to the room. What are y'all's thoughts about the Masters in November? Georgia. Crazy, huh? No bueno in, Georgia, yeah. in November. Uh, always a little bit rainy. Like a southern Georgia day in the winter. Like, I shouldn't say that's not even full-blown winter, honestly. It's like a early fall. Yeah. Most of the time, there's a little drizzle. It can be really chilly in the mornings, and it's wet. That's how I describe it. Like, it's just super wet. Would you say that? Augusta in November is comparable to Augusta in April, like we're used to seeing? No. I've been there in the spring. I've been to Augusta. We've played tournaments in the fall uh, when I was in college. Um, uh, in the Yeah, in the fall. They're just right down the road from Augusta National. And obviously, it's not the same quality, right? There's not, like, it's not overseeded in rye. It's not manicured with the Teasers. highest budget in the world. <laughs> um, but... It, it definitely is not going to be comparable. I think that you're going to see the golf course play longer. I was actually just reading an article um, by golf.com. There was a, a professional that went out and played um, a, a practice round um, last fall out there. He actually was, he went out and played and, and have, just was want, just playing with some friends. And he was noticing that like he was hitting like almost a club to a club and a half longer. Now again, that's not tournament condition, right? Yeah. It's probably not. It's probably not dead on what it's going to be this spring or sorry, this fall. I'm used to saying spring, obviously. Um, but it's definitely going to play a lot longer. It's wet. It's going to be a little colder in the mornings. Um, so yeah, I think that it's going to be a little bit different for sure. Yeah, but the food will still be good. That's yeah. true. The food Memento is geez. so good. You know, it it not costs fair. an arm or leg to get in the gate. And if you go to the merchandise tent, you know, you're just going to spend a fortune. But if you go to the food area, it's crazy how cheap the food is and how good it is. You can get a great cup of coffee for 50 cents. You can get an egg salad sandwich for $1.50. It, it's just crazy. They've always, Bobby Jones and Cliff Roberts always wanted to have the concessions be very affordable right from day one. So, you know, the, the people that are running Augusta is honoring that. So I always think about that among a lot of things. Yeah, Cal, you mentioned uh, if the course is going to be comparable now, um, but what I was thinking is more about the players and their mindset and their outlook on the course because it's going to be cold weather. Some players aren't at they can't swing as freely in cold weather, especially if they're wearing jackets, clothes, whatever it may be. Um, and the course is definitely going to play different. So, in y'all's mind, what do you think is the biggest thing that a player can focus on to help them adjust to that new climate and new course they're playing here in November? I would say that the first thing that a player should do especially if they've played at the Masters in April for many of years. I would The first thing that I would tell them if I were to be able to give them any advice would be to drop what they think they know about the Masters in April. I'm not, I mean, I'm sure the golf course, it's the same golf course, no doubt. But a couple months later, different temperature, different climate, the grass not being the same necessarily condition. the same condition as it always is. I mean, I think they're going to have to change 
a lot about what they think about the golf course in their mind. I think they're going to have to play a pretty much different golf course. Yeah, and the other thing that I don't know if people understand is Augusta National in the summertime is Bermuda, right? I've played Augusta Country Club right across the right across the fence. I've seen 13, 14, and 11, and 12 from across the fence. Actually, Ray's Creek flows right through number 10 at Augusta Country Club. Um, when you're down there, you got, if anybody's ever been down there, chipping, putting, everything's way different when it's on Bermuda. Now, the greens are going to stay bent grass. That's just the way it is. They have sub-air systems that keep it during the summer. But the fairways are going to be different. I think, and, and, and if you go and you look at the, the latest photos of Augusta National, in like a 20-day period, there was they overseeded and got everything going, and it's nice and green now, and it, they actually, um, the, the, the Bermuda grass has been dormant. It went, it went dormant. Um, or they uh, somehow they got it that way. I don't know. I saw that. Quinn, picture. you're you're much more rounded out on in the in the superintendent world and know some of that stuff, but th- it looks like that they've kind of gotten rid of that Bermuda. So that I think that that might have an impact with the chipping and putting around the green. So they're going to have to go and be there a few days early, I think, and start to really understand how that ball is reacting um, differently uh, around the greens. Um, compared to spring because it's a lot more firm. You can bounce it into hills. You can put it up the hill. You can you can use that slope and the grain of the grass um, around the in, in the south. But during the during the Masters, it's it's much more like I was saying, firm and stuff. So, Quinn. Yeah, well, Bermuda is a totally different animal as far as grass. So you got the southern Bermuda, and Bermuda loves the hot heat. I mean, it just thrives on it. Where the bent. You know, loves the cool weather. So you see that up here in the in the north, <clears throat> in the in the spring, in the summer, or spring and fall. You know, bent just thrives. So typically, when you do overseeding, um, and they've changed so much over the years because of the different variety of grasses they brought. A, a course like uh, Augusta, they're going to come in and shave the Bermuda right down the dirt. So they're going to take a lot of that grain out. And that grain's in a dormant stage, and grain affects the golf ball. Like if you're chipping into grain, it's difficult. If you're putting into grain, it's difficult because grain grows horizontal to the ground where a rye and a bent will grow vertically. So that's the difference. You're, you're putting on roots basically glorified, and that's where you get grain involved. And when you put on the rye and the bent, you're putting on the tips of the grass so you don't get the grain as mu- so much involved. So there's definitely, uh, the grain's going to be a totally different, I think what Cal said is spot on, because there's there's patterns of, of grain that these players know. You know, Mickelson, I was just reading this morning, he's got a, a journal from every master he's played, because Augusta's not letting you take the uh, the uh, the putting book, which shows the, gra- the grain and the slopes of the greens, because it slows it down, and they don't want uh, Bryson taking you know, an hour and 10 minutes on a putt, you know, per se. So they, they've taken that off the table. But, yeah, Bermuda is definitely not going to be in, in play. Uh, I think the golf course is going to play wet because rye needs water. And so they've been bombing it with water. So that golf course is definitely going to play slower. Uh, I don't think the greens will change because of what, what White said, you know, the system underneath there when Fazio did the greens, you know, they were the first to do that sub-air where basically they can dry out. You can get a downpour the night before, and they have the ability to dry out underneath there. So I think the greens aren't going to change at all, but I think everything else is going to be different. I think another cool part about what we're going to see come November is the fall trees, right? Um, it's going to be like a cool um, – it's just going to be a new, like, stadium, I guess you could say. Um, it's going to be odd, though, like, 
going into it as a player, they're not like they're not going to have uh, fans, patrons, yeah. patrons. No, Sorry, patrons. Not. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, not. A lot of these players drive off of the patrons, right? And then, as in a golf IQ aspect, there's a lot of players that it makes them play better. They thrive in that. Yeah, yeah Rory. Rory admitted to that. Yeah, you can Brooks, see he's got a little pep he, in his step when that when they hear that cheering of the crowd. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be a new dynamic. Um, they always talk about the roars around Augusta, right? And that's what changes the momentum of certain players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, just having a new atmosphere is going to be different. Yeah, Paul Casey alluded to that at the PGA um, at Harden Park. He, you know, he finished second. He said, I really miss the fans. The fans would, would pump me up. He says, it's a new norm for us, and we as players have to make that adjustment. Yeah, if you've ever been to Augusta, well, all of us haven't, but we, we feel like we have because television's brought it right to our forefront, you know, from hole number one all the way 18. I mean, there's some key holes out there where the fans play a huge part of it. You know, like 15, I'd always go sit up in the bleachers on the left there. And so you can watch the second shot come in on 15, and then you can turn around and watch them hit their tee shot on 16. So the fans would definitely be roaring when somebody makes an eagle. A guy might have to step off the ball or or he knows he needs to stick it here on 16 because of what he hears. So they have to now rely more on the leaderboards, and it's just a different way to play in golf for these players. But they'll make that adjustment. Um, I was going to go down and see it. Matter of fact, um, being a PGA member, one of the perks is uh, we get uh, free admission into the tournament. And so we'll go register at the PGA booth, give us our credentials, and they'll give us a pass for, for as many days we're going to be down there. So I've been fortunate enough to be on property, and it's, it's just – there's. You know, it's, there's no place on earth like Augusta, and I think that's why if you'd ask every player, if you took 100 players all around the world, where would they want to win? The two major uh, wins they'd want to win would be the Open Championship, because all Europeans have grown up watching that historically, and that's the oldest championship, and then Augusta. Because Augusta, you get invited back every year, and you get your locker. It is the coolest thing on the planet. Agreed. Um, what do you think players... KB, I'll ask you this question. What do you think players are doing right now to prepare? Uh, in my opinion, some players are going to probably try and find a golf course that's, that's comparable to what the conditions are going to be like in November. Um, like you said, wet. Uh, so they're going to probably go somewhere where it has that climate and has that, that type of weather and then try to practice in those conditions and try to put themselves in situations where the ground's not going to be trampled down from – from people hitting the ball or from, from patrons walking around. So if they hit the ball in some spots, it's going to be a lot worse, and they're going to be in worse spots than they would be in previous years. So I would say work on just tired dispersions, hitting the ball where they want to hit it, hitting certain shots, um, and then putting themselves in those conditions and those tough situations so they can benefit from that in November. Yeah, there's a few courses down there off the top of my head, being from Georgia. Um, Sage Valley is yeah. one of them. Sage is a very, very good track. Um and then I'm going to say there's there, – actually, Ricky Fowler has gone out to what's called uh, River Club in, jo in Johns Creek. Um, they are very, very close to kind of the same um, conditions when it comes to that time of year because they overseed yeah. and they start to um, – they, they start to put it into a very playable – into playable conditions during the winter. So, again, I think the most important part for most of these professionals is finding an environment that's going to be like that of the Augusta. You're going to find that this week at uh, Shadow Creek. Uh, Ricky and Rory have been saying that this is really going to represent what they feel Augusta is going to be because Shadow Creek's out in Vegas, okay, and uh, right now they've went through the overseeding process, same thing. They have Bermuda. 
So they're going to, I think, to answer your question, why I think they're going to try to find golf courses that are going through that overseeding process so they can get adjusted to that. Because I think that's going to be the biggest difference. And anyone around the table is competitive experience of playing cold, 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 chilly golf. What do you think the players will be struggling with the most? Or what, what part of golf does chilly weather make the most difficult, would you say? I would say ball flight. Um, there's an old trick. I think I, there's an old trick that people talk about um, is putting a hand warmer on a golf ball because mm-hmm. it, <laughs> it helps yeah. with the compression part. That's illegal. Yes, it, it is. Illegal. It is. It's just funny because I, I was, we were playing a tournament the other week and it was nice and chilly and somebody had their ball in their pocket and I was like, that's illegal. Yeah. And so it was funny. We had a funny conversation with that. Um, but no, I think ball flight's going to be a problem. Um, I would say according to TrackMan um, and their website and how ball physics play into effect when it's cold, um, it really gets affected when the ball is when 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 the when the air is around sixty or so degrees. It start when it gets below that. That's when the ball starts to drop out of the air. The compression goes down. Um, so, and then I think that uh, you know with it being the fall time and and being wet, you're gonna see the ball kind of, um, sometimes when it's wet, you're, you're going to see the ball knuckleball a little bit more. It's not going to spin as much. So it's going to be more skiddy. Yeah. So, and that's all stuff that comes from experience, right? Now, these guys have been, they're weathered veterans in this. Um, so I think, but overall, I think the distance, seeing the ball not fly as far, um, I'm sure Bryson will have some type of equation to figure, yeah, figure that out. Yeah. Um, but no, you're going to see the ball not fly as far, and that's yeah. going to be the hard part. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Trackman. Why do you think TrackMan came into existence? Why do you think a tour player was carrying TrackMan in the earlier days? Because they were trying to figure out exactly what their balls were doing. Exactly. It, people weren't using it for the data that's used today. They were using to calibrate how far the ball is going. So, you know, like in Mexico, when they're out there, they're calibrating the distance. So they'll set that behind them, and they'll set the – because we could do this right now inside here. I could go in there. I played a tournament at uh, Desert Mountain, Arizona, a couple of years ago. And I calibrate what I was going to carry the ball. I set the yardage at or the altitude is 4,200. Well, you know, the calibration of TrackMan did that. So anyway, the, you'll see these guys, you know, in Torrey Pines, they'll have TrackMan just loaded on the range, and they'll be calibrating the new distance, and the cat will be taking notes of that. So no question they'll be recalibrating because, you know, when it's, when it's cold like that, you, the, the air is more dense. The air is more dense. It creates a friction factor against the golf ball, and the ball is not going to travel. So I think what Cal said was really spot on. You know, the players have to kind of literally divorce what they knew before from the tee to the green. Again, like I said, I don't think there's going to be a great variance on the greens because they have the ability to control the greens, and they're going to get the speeds like they've always got it, and they're going to put the pins like on 16 back left on the last day and all that. I don't think that's going to be a difference, but I think what's going to be the difference is the A to B, getting the ball to the green, and then – the shots around the green. I think they're going to spend a lot of time. Your short game gurus are going to spend a lot of time on creating a different game plan of how they're going to bump and run the ball into the green. Do they bump and run it? Do they land it higher and all that? Because that's going to be the trick. And the player that makes that adjustment is going to be the player that's going to have a chance to win. And and I think the other thing is, you know, what do you do to prepare? Is you need to get a 48-inch driver like Bryson. I mean, he is kind of just rechanging golf all over. Guys are thinking stuff like this. And I'm waiting for Augusta. If Bryson goes there and destroys Augusta, I promise you in 21 in the springtime, there's going to be some changes made on length of, of clubs. I don't I don't see that standing. I really don't. And I think it's too short to kind of 
change them. You know, Lon Hinkle in the U.S. Open 25 years ago um, was cutting this dog leg par five, okay? And he did it for the first two days. And he's in contention of the tournament. Well, the USGA overnight put a pine tree, about a 40-foot pine tree, the biggest pine tree they could in this area to stop that. Well, they can because the USGA. Well, Augusta can because they're Augusta. So I, I see some changes happening. That would be funny if they put a tree somewhere well, just where he couldn't hit it like that. <laughs> That'd be wild. Yeah, hit, hit over this now. Yeah, see what well, happens. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Try to get that five-and-a-half-degree loft up to that high. Can you degree. imagine what Lon Hinkle was thinking when he came down and saw that in the D-box? He goes, well, I bet he didn't cut the they shut me down. I bet he didn't cut the corner. You need to day. Google that. It's a pretty cool story, the, the difference. Cool. How funny it would be if Bryson walked on the T-box and did this, like, velocity equation and, like, brought out a whiteboard and just started going that nuts. Would be it funny. wouldn't surprise me. It yeah, but then, it, then me. somehow I'd probably get on the green and go in the hole or something, so you never know. I don't think Bryson's going to win. I, I don't. I don't think he, he – this is his fourth year. Uh, I just don't think he will. No predictions. I couldn't resist. Yeah, he we're, also we're <laughs> just uh, so he was the, on the range of the Shriners and flew the ball 370 yards over the range and smoked a car on the other side. So. Yeah. Oh, there was that yeah. video yesterday. Or it was, was it? Were you talking about yeah. where he was like on the back of the range yes. and everybody else was hitting like fifteen yards, twenty yards in front of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys, the guys, an unbelievable kind of a beast athlete. Yeah. Um, but going back to what we were talking about, uh, again, I I think now with this technology that we have, you can really put yourself in the situation of what you're going to be dealing with in the tournament. We used to do that with for tournaments when we go to Mobile, Alabama in the winter. I'd turn it down to. 40 degrees of temperature. Uh, I think they're like at 200 or 300 feet above sea level, almost zero in areas. So I'd put it at like 300 feet above sea level and I'd hit wedge shots and irons. Um, you're going to see the ball, like wedge shots and stuff. They're not going to be as affected with the, with the sea level and how cold it is. But when it comes to those long irons, like these guys are going to be hitting, that's where it's going to make a difference. So tra- practicing in that is going to be where you're where the money's going to be made. So Yeah, yeah. So other than changing your parameters on your launch monitor and putting yourself in uh, conditions like you're going to see in November, what else the players are going to do behind the scenes uh, to help get them ready, whereas as far as, like, recuperating their body, stuff like that? What do you guys What do you guys think on that stuff? I would say a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of mental work, just trying yeah. to prepare, trying to get ready, trying to prepare yourself mentally for, okay, when I get, when I step foot on Augusta, when I start driving down Magnolia Lane, I will be ready for this. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about that in podcasts and even in our last podcast about winter. Yeah, definitely. And then you see, uh, you see, like Phil Mickelson putting up those Instagrams where he's like, "All right, Magnolia Lane." He had like last year, I think he had like two drivers or something, yeah. something crazy. He yeah. was hitting like one for cute little cuts and one for bombs. So yeah. it's definitely a mental game, but that's definitely something they'll be doing behind the scenes. Quinn, anything to add there of what players might be doing behind the scenes? Yeah, uh, I, like I said earlier, I think they're going to change. Uh, I think they're really going to pay attention to what goes around the green, the bump and runs, because grass is going to be different. I mean, it's just going to be totally different. And, you know, the ball is going to uh, not going to release as much. If you, you know, And, again, I don't know what the agronomy and how they're going to set it up, but just guessing out loud, I think they're going to have to loft it into the green a little bit more because I think around the greens, the approaches are going to be a little bit dry, wetter. Now, that might change. But, again, they're really going to pay attention to that because, you know, the guy that wins Augusta is the guy that scrambles. Simple as that. you got to scramble. And you think about all the successful tournaments that you guys have played in this room, you scrambled. It's not been lower. You've been perfect on the green. So you're going to have to scramble. So I think short game is going to be a key. Well, and um, I think overall, I think the thing that we have to learn here from, and you'll see from the guy that wins Augusta or wins the Masters, sorry, is he's going to be the guy 
that combated adversity better than anybody that week, right? It's going to be different. So the person that sucks it up the most gets prepared and does the right thing. And in those times that are hard while you're playing and in that tournament, the person that overcomes the adversity is going to be the champion at the end of the day. I agree. I agree. All right, guys. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to our podcast about the November Masters. I'm here with KB Blanch. I'm KB Blanchard, sorry. Um, and we're signing off. Who else would you be? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Wyatt. Yeah, I'm Quinn. I'm Cal. <laughs> thanks. Bye, guys. <laughs>